0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the action from this week's episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Originate for from Denver, Colorado, but before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. uh, amazing that I survived the weekend i I think I was hung over till Monday, and I wasn't even like that bad hungover, but just had that like it just kind of hung over me ha, for for two days. I was just kind of like I'm not right right now, but it was an awesome thirtieth birthday. We talked about you know Joel coming up for it, I had a big party drank these giant 32 ounce beers at the bowling alley. And my dumb ass ordered two at the very beginning. So I was playing catch up all night. But yeah, doing good. Uh, Finally, finally feel like my liver is back to normal. And uh, yeah, first week of 30 has been good so far, you know. So how about yourself? How was getting a how's your flight back to North Carolina? How's being uh, back home?
1: Oh, the flight was pretty chill. I had my switch. And so I was just kind of Hanging out, playing games. I actually finished the game that I had been playing, and so I'm I'm on to the next thing. I was not hungover, so uh, I'm happy about that. And uh, I'm pretty
0: sure you're the only one who wasn't, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure all my friends were hungover uh, from the weekend. So yeah, I've uh, never good for you to survive. I've it.
1: never been hungover. <laughs> I've gotten sick before, but I've never. I don't have that like next day like just feel like garbage kind of feeling ever. So. I don't know. I'm thankful for that. It's, uh, it's definitely a better way to, uh, to experience life. But yeah, you know, adjusting uh... back into my schedule was rough <laughs> though, because I didn't get in until almost midnight on Sunday. And then it was like, oh, great. Um, and this actually is like a really busy week for me. Both of my, uh, online classes that I'm teaching started this week. So it's been, you know, trying to get both of those up and running and, and get in touch with all my students and, uh, so that's uh, I, I kind of like I knew it was happening this week, but it, it wasn't foremost in my mind because you know I didn't focus yeah. on the marathon, and then I was focused on coming up for your birthday, and so it's uh, it's been a whirlwind of a week. I can't believe I couldn't believe it was Wednesday when I woke up this morning. So yeah, uh, but I'm back in well, the at least
0: you have now. a at least you have a nice new fancy microphone to help out with your your online classes if you have to record anything. So.
1: Yeah. I actually, I was, I was happy about that earlier. I, I do, I record videos for my for my online students, so it uh, it's very helpful.
0: All right. Well, um, Joel, how about you give us a rundown of the show tonight?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, like I said earlier, we originated from Denver, well, just outside Denver, Colorado, in Broomfield, and the show started off with John Moxley holding court after winning the All Elite Wrestling Championship. At Revolution, and he was interrupted by the Inner Circle. After that, there was a match between SCU with Colt Cabana against the Dark Order. The Dark Order comprised of Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and the Beaver Boys. I, I'm, they're <laughs> not calling him that anymore, but they'll always be the Beaver Boys in my heart.
0: Always. Uh, Hashtag always. Colt
1: Cabana got the win via the Superman pin. And uh, next up after that was the lone women's match on the card. Ah, uh, Big Swole got the win over Leva Bates. Then we had a promo segment with Cody and drumroll, Jake the Snake Roberts. Wow.
0: What?
1: <laughs> uh, so after that interaction, Chuck Taylor had a match with Pack, Pack getting the win. And then we got a, a very brief interstitial of Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard announcing the uh b sean spears tag team partner contest uh for lack of a better term uh and then there was a match uh, between qt marshall and jake hager jake hager getting the win surprising no one uh chaos ensued after the match i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on and then we got an excellent promo from mjf and uh finally the the closing segment of the show uh, was Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho versus essentially Darby Allen? What was supposed to be Darby Allen and John Moxley? Uh, and why don't we start uh, with talking about this segment? Sammy Guevara got the win via pinfall, and uh, Moxley was basically a non-factor in this match, getting getting taken out by the other members of the Inner Circle, and leaving Darby Allen to fend for himself. Uh, I know this was a, a stock up for both of us this week. Talk to me about this match. What did you like about it?
0: Well, I, I like that they trusted Darby to to basically do this five-on-one segment. You know, we as Moxley was coming to the ring, he got take, taken out by three guys in masks, dragged through the crowd, and just got the crap kicked out of him. And Darby, being kind of a, a man of honor, is like, no, let's do it. So really, really enjoyed uh, the match, and really, just once again, just the trust they have in Darby, how he just continues to put up every single week, every opportunity he gets. Um, you know, I, I think Jericho and Sammy just made him look really good. Um well, Sammy Guevara especially, makes
1: everybody look good.
0: Yeah. Sammy Sammy and Dar- I could see Sammy and Darby wrestle every week for the next year and be a really happy guy. But it was just really good storytelling and uh like just once again how he moves and the spots he can pull and my favorite spot of the match is when he was going for the tag and he tagged himself and then had like this burst of energy like he got the hot tag so it's just really really cool spots and, and that was and, a, that was
1: a really cool spot i loved that as well and that's a spot that i feel like could have been like cheesy and stupid but he sold it so well i mean he's got this look on his yeah. face like oh yeah, I don't have a tag team partner right now. I guess I'll tag myself in. And then he psychs himself up and goes on a tear. Amazing.
0: Yeah, and in that that burst, he hit a destroyer on Sammy, knocked Jericho off the apron, caught the big boot from Sammy, flipped Sammy over the top rope, then did a coffin drop on the entire inner circle. And this was in like a span of like 15, 20 seconds. And I know we talked about in the, AEW Revolution uh review show on Sunday. How like when Kenny gets that burst and he had that like 20 second spot to remind people how good he is, that I felt the exact same way in this spot for Darby. He was like, "Oh yeah, let me show off for about 20 25 seconds to remind you that I am amazing at what I do."
1: Yeah, it was a huge showcase for for Darby and he once again was in the main event, was highlighted in the main event and looked like he belonged there. The intensity yeah. on his face, the way that he sells everything, the way he convincingly absorbs punishment from his opponents and still kicks out. And, you know, I'm not a fan of weak kickouts. I think it just looks bad and it makes like wrestling look silly when someone just kind of weakly puts their arm up. I like to see an emphatic kickout, even in a spot where you're getting the crap beaten out of you, because I think it just makes it look and feel more real. So I think that's something that he does really well. And, man, just he's so fast when he gets going. Mm -hmm. And it's wild watching him move around the ring and seeing him come up with creative spots and creative ways to get into moves that prior to seeing Darby Allen, I hadn't seen these moves before. And now he's finding ways to innovate on his own already innovative offense
0: yeah the the -the over-the-top stunner just looks so crisp and clean when he does it and then he did like he did this uh dive through the ropes under the second rope and we've talked about this before. just the way that he just shoots himself out of the ring you know it was just a simple diving shoulder block on the jericho but it felt like he was running full speed and just crashed into him so just the way that he kind of projects himself when he does this stuff um, well, is amazing. And it's all an extension
1: and, of his character, because, you know, his character is this crazy daredevil former skateboarder, and you know, he's reinforcing that with character work on his Twitter account, you know, he he tweeted out that short video this week of him,
0: like, jumping off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of him doing the <laughs>
1: coffin drop off of the scaffold into you know, a, a giant dumpster full of, you know, what looked like foam bricks, but Mm -hmm. it's just that kind of stuff and he's doing great work in the ring out of the ring the only thing that we haven't really seen from him yet is work on the microphone um he's talked a little bit here and there (laughs) but it's kind of reminds me of the crow sting who was a character who didn't have to talk and Everything was communicated through the actions in the ring, the character work, the storytelling. And I think there's a, a lane for Darby Allen to occupy where he can similarly not have to get on the microphone and still have this deeply developed character that the audience is clearly invested in and wants to see
0: more of. He, ha- he has this aura about him already. And I I think of all the wrestlers in AEW so far who kind of have just like that feel to them. It's like Kenny and maybe Pac and Darby, where you're just like, oh man, we know something special is going to happen. We know these guys are a big deal and you don't have to see him talk. You don't have to see him for a couple of weeks, but you know, when he hits the ring, something special is going to happen. And yeah, I like that comparison to, to Sting because. Yeah, he hasn't talked much, but he's done so much work in his vignettes to to show his character. He's done the, you know, when he was mocking Sammy with the cue cards during the the picture in picture. You know, you can kind of sense what his character is without him really having to say it. And I think that is the, the ultimate sign of doing good work is when people just know what you're doing and they know who you are without you having to explicitly say, I'm a badass, I'm a skateboarder. And I think commentary supports him on that really Definitely. well. I think commentary commentary really is zeroed in on what to say and how to get a guy like Darby over. So just props to him in general. Uh, he he's we say we gush about him every week. But I got three texts from friends tonight saying, "Holy crap, Darby's a star!" And we it's we just beat the drum, but he's so damn good. And I guess, I guess Jericho's not taking a 60-day sabbatical, so we'll, uh, I guess we'll get more La Champion uh, over the next few weeks. Yeah, I so. thought
1: that was a great tease, too. Uh, yeah. It, it seemed like, okay, Fozzie must be going on tour, or you know, Jericho <laughs> yeah. is going to Japan to do some, some NJPW stuff, or you know, that there was some kind of conflict, and he was going to be going away for a while, and this was a convenient way to do it now that he's dropped the title. But swerve, no, he's he's not going anywhere, and uh, I I just thought this this was a really great way to end what was otherwise not necessarily the most exciting show in yeah. in terms of the wrestling uh, for AEW, which I think kind of brings us to our our stock down for the evening, which was you know this show had a lot of expectation riding on it. There was the thought that we were going to get the debut of the exalted one they had advertised mm-hmm. that we were going to get the debut of lance archer and yep. there was just a whole lot of teasing and not a lot of delivery on those fronts and yeah a lot of recapping what took place at revolution in in some kind of extended segments and on a 2 hour broadcast it kind of takes the air out of the room like i feel bad for the live audience in uh in denver i hope that their dark matches were you know awesome amazing yeah. and blew the roof off because they didn't get necessarily the same experience that a lot of uh attendees at dynamite shows have been getting especially looking at the month of february and how strong all of those shows were i, I just felt like this show was a little bit rushed and cramped yeah and didn't live up to expectations
0: yeah and you know we we talked about how the build to revolution was so damn hot and how every week had you know five-star quality pay-per-view matches on it like damn the last three weeks before revolution we had the steel cage match between cordy and wolo we had kenny omega versus hangman i'm sorry kenny kenny omega versus pack in the 30 minute iron man match Hangman and god i'm just screwing up page and omega versus the lucha bros that was all within shows leading up to that pay-per-view so it did feel like a step back tonight and i agree that it felt rushed you know that i we had a squash match which we don't usually see on dynamite we had a borderline squash match with hager and qt marshall um you know so we've been kind of spoiled and Now, were our expectations too high or did AEW set the expectations too high? I feel like that's a good debate. I kind of felt this was going to be like a, I didn't think it was going to be like this, but I definitely thought it was going to be like, okay, let's reset the tables. You know, we got two months, two and a half months to build up to double and nothing. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, show our cards too early. So, but yeah, I, I didn't feel like we were really given any new stuff. You know, and I didn't think we really got, you know, I, I didn't I didn't think so many of the stuff from Revolution would kind of continue tonight. Um, But I, yeah, it was it was a fun show. You know, it's still better than 90 percent of the weekly television shows we see right now. So there's a lot of stuff that I did enjoy from it. But yeah, it definitely did not meet my lofty expectations, especially with the the bucks showing up on Matt Hardy's free the delete channel this week. And, you know, us for basically two weeks now having dreams about what Lance Archer could do in WWE sorry, AEW. But yeah, it's too late, man. <laughs> I'll clean that up. But uh, you know, it's just yeah. It it just didn't hit like the last couple dynamites have.
1: And I'll I'll say this, there was nothing on the show that I didn't like. And yeah. and I think that's a huge difference, you know. When I was regularly watching Raw, regularly watching SmackDown, I could point to things and and say, this segment completely lost my attention and I checked out of the show at this moment. I never checked out of of watching this episode of Dynamite and there wasn't anything on the show that I'm like, man, I wish they hadn't done that. That was bad. So, you know, that's positive. I think there, there were just some things that were either promised, like when you say someone's debuting, you need to debut them. Um, And then there was things that were kind of implied, like, you know, and and maybe that's that's our own fault as fans for building ourselves up and and making ourselves believe that we were going to finally find out who the Exalted One was. And ultimately, I really like what they did with that segment, but it still felt like we're getting held over a little bit. And I... I just I want to see it move forward so I I don't know maybe it's it'll end up being a good thing in the end because I'm left wanting more and still having that curiosity of wondering where this is going to be going moving forward but it it did lead to a slightly less exciting just an episode that felt non-essential like if you missed this episode and you picked back up next week you may have missed some good action some fun segments but you didn't miss anything that changed the landscape of AEW coming out of, you know, their biggest pay-per-view to date.
0: Yeah. Throughout the show, I this this was one of the hardest Dynamite episodes for me in terms of what do I want to talk about on the podcast tonight? So I definitely was struggling on like topics to think of, uh, that I want to bring to the table. But yeah, we'll see. And, you know, we it, it kind of feels like uh, when the other wrestling company kind of puts a pay-per-view really close to another pay-per-view because I'm looking at Blood and Guts in a few weeks as a mini pay-per-view, especially with the how the idea of what this match should be and the, who the participants should be. So maybe we'll get like a mini build to that and then our real build to Double or Nothing will start after. So I could definitely see like a combination of some of the members of the Elite, Moxley and at Darby versus the Inner Circle and that blood and guts match. So um, maybe that's what they're leading to and we'll just have to take it from there. So um, anything else uh, in terms of our expectations or do you want to move over to some, move on to some stuff we did
1: uh, like to, I'd like to talk about something positive and something that's, that's always a positive for me, no matter what wrestling company I'm watching. And that's Colt Cabana. I am so happy to have Colt Cabana in all elite wrestling. I was excited when he showed up on the buy-in, and I was even more excited to see that stupid grin all night long during that <laughs> match. And just every time I think back on, on, on seeing that uh Chicago skyline into the Superman pin, it just was so fantastic, and he just looks so happy to be in AEW. And everything he does looks good. That's one of the things that I love about Colt Cabana. He can do more than you think he can when you look at him. He's a tremendous wrestler. He has amazing experience. And he's actually similar to a Kenny Omega in that he can wrestle all styles. You know, Mm -hmm. he's known nowadays as mostly a comedy wrestler and for not taking the business too seriously. But he can absolutely go and you could see the flashes of the tremendous ring work that he can bring in tonight's match between SEU and the Dark Order. I thought he was absolutely given the spotlight in that match and everything looks good. His working punches look good. Those elbow strikes look good. The uh, head scissors looked amazing. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. a big thick dude to be able to get up and do that. And I know from listening to interviews with uh, wrestlers who have worked with him in other companies that he's a guy who goes up light. So he's going to be able to go out there with some of these smaller performers and still be able to let them hit any of their moves that they need to for for that match. And I, you can probably tell because I'm gushing, but I'm just so excited <laughs> for Colt Cabana.
0: Yeah, you must have been pretty stoked when you saw that tweet on either Sunday or Monday saying Colt Cabana signed with AEW. Oh, yeah. I think on the reaction show, we both said, "Ah, oh, maybe that's just a one-off, but it was a hell of a one-off. So uh, my 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 experience with Colt Cabana have been at like WrestleCon, where I've only seen him wrestle purely comedy matches. So this was really my first experience of, you know, seeing him actually perform, you know, actually get to wrestle in a in a somewhat serious manner, you know, like. I think he, he had like a sort, not a sword fight, but he like did some dancing and everything the last time I saw him. So, um, yeah, he, it's, you mentioned that grin, that smile. Yeah, he, he definitely had the look of, I'm happy to be here. This is so much fun. And like, he's had a weird history with some of these bigger companies. And he always felt like a guy who should be way bigger than he is. And I know he's beloved on the indie scene, but like, I always felt like he should have had a spotlight in one of these larger companies, whether that was the other wrestling company, Ring of Honor, um, Impact TNA, you know, and I don't know his history that much. So maybe he did have stops in those areas, but
1: I feel like he's a guy. I'm pretty sure he is a former Ring of Honor champion. Uh, He's he's been with that company, both as a commentator and as an in-ring performer for a long time. Most recently, he was doing stuff with NWA. And he was their NWA national champion, which is kind of their um, mid-card title. And um, so he's he's had his accolades. I think his kind of glory years were probably before we were watching the indies. So yeah. that probably has a lot to do with it. But, but yeah, I agree. He's someone who I think should be a much bigger deal. And it, it's kind of surprising to me that the wrestling world hasn't really been talking too much about him signing with AEW. I thought the announcement earlier this week would have been a bigger deal, but I mean, I'm stoked and I just love watching him in the ring.
0: He's definitely not, you know, we're not casual wrestling fans, you know, like we're pretty, pretty deep into this. So I, I just think that's, you know, unless you're, really into it. You you may not have heard of him or seen him before, but yeah, this dude's been all over the place. I'm in his Wikipedia page right now. Uh he's been all over the world, you know. I'm seeing he wrestled for Juggalo Championship wrestling at one point, which might be a blemish on a resume, I don't know. No, 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 but he's no, a- uh, Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> say what you want about ICP, but that is legit wrestling and, you know, I mean, shoot, ICP was in WCW for crying out loud.
0: I, I was a. Yeah, I was a kid, but he's a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, two-time NWA National Heavyweight Champion. He was had a brief stint in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, in 2012, he was number 44 on PWI's Top 500, Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, one of my favorite indie uh, brands, Revolution Pro Wrestling. He was their British Heavyweight Champion once. And he was a two-time Ring of Honor Team Champion with CM Punk, and we all know the complicated history that CM Punk and Cole Cabana have. So, um, and, and Cabana, he, is he still doing his podcast? Is that still going on? I, I, the art of wrestling, I believe. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I have never listened to it. Um, for as much of a fan of his work as I am, uh, that's a podcast that I just never got into. So I don't know if that's still going on or not, but
0: yeah, it looks like it still is. So Yep, he had a actually had a podcast from Chicago this weekend, so I might have to check it out. But yeah, check out the art of wrestling. I've listened to it before; it's pretty good. And Kolchaban is a really fun guy. So I think he's one um, of those
1: big figures in pro wrestling that has had a huge impact. And it's kind of like a, a band that not as many people know about, but all the mm-hmm. bands that you know were influenced by, like in the late '90s. Every popular band was influenced by the Pixies, but nobody knew who the Pixies were. And I think Colt Cabana has a similar status where his impact has been felt far and wide. And people that the average wrestling fan are big fans of have come from that learning tree and have had that exposure and have been impacted and inspired by the likes of Colt Cabana. So I'm excited to have him here. I think he's a great locker room guy as well and someone mm-hmm. who can bring his experience and and help bring along the younger talent in a big way. So I think even beyond what he's going to bring as an on-screen performer, this is a huge get for AEW.
0: Yeah, and he's not even that old, you know. He's 39, uh turning 40 in a few months, but in wrestling, you know, you've seen a lot of wrestlers still in their primes in their late 30s, early 40s and just AEW in general has been really good at getting us that body diversity we've wanted because he's also another bigger guy. Six one, two forty, two thirty-five. Uh definitely can tell, you know, when he was up like face to face with Eva Uno, who we all consider one of the bigger guys in the company. He's like, Oh yeah, they they look they look similar. So bring him on. Give me more, give me more hosses, even though I don't <laughs> consider Cabana a Haas, but for AEW, he's a Haas. We need more hosses because we need the Haas heavyweight championship title at some point. <laughs> Um, we were talking about hoss fights all this weekend, so we we need we need more hoss fights, but yeah, sign AC. Anything baby. else? Oh, uh, god, man, he was in the uh double or nothing battle royal last year, and I love me some AC Dude baby, go. AC baby go. yeah. Anything else about Colt Cabana and him joining the the all elite wrestling show or, or shall I mean, we, we got to stop, or I
1: would go on forever, so well, let's, right, let's right, just move it on. That.
0: I mean, this has just been a two, two wrestler gush fest tonight. We've been gushing about Darby. We've been gushing about Coca-Bana. Let me talk about something that I was just completely shocked to see tonight. That's Jake, the snake, Roberts showing up on dynamite. And it was shocking in two ways. Cause one, Holy shit. It's Jake, the snake. That's awesome. If you haven't seen the resurrection resurrection of Jake, the snake documentary, definitely check it yeah, out. I'll it is out. crazy. Uh, DDP helped him get his life back in order, basically saved his life. Uh, you know, there's videos of him from a few years ago where he wasn't walking really well, wasn't talking really well. So to see him in a in a professional wrestling ring on national TV cutting in a promo was just crazy. And the second thing that was surprising about it is usually when legends come out, they're here to, like, be faces. And he just shit all over Cody that entire promo and obviously Jake, the snakes prime was a little before, you know, our wrestling fandom and our, our wrestling consciousness, but man, it just felt really cool to see Jake drop some barbs at, at Cody here. And if and he if was on Twitter, yeah, I mean, like he was a little, a little you know, grumbly, you know, but he's an older guy and he's always been a little grumbly, but everything felt the timing was right. His delivery felt good. Like, it was a good promo.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really good. And I thought, you know, word choice is really important. And I thought his word choice of talking about, you know, a phoenix rising from the ashes when there's already that kind of uh, language surrounding him with, you know, the resurrection of Jake the Snake being a thing. And I think for a lot of younger wrestling fans, that might be, you know, their main exposure other than like going back on WWE network and watching old stuff but you know he's someone who can go out can absolutely deliver sounds convincing and if he's a regular appearance as a manager i mean he's someone who could get anybody over uh and yeah my first thought when he came out was this person that he's bringing in like he'd be a perfect person to be paired with Lance Archer because, you know, he's a savage and brutal guy. And for him to have a handler makes a lot of sense. And Jake talking about how, how he used to bring a snake out to the ring to get people to think about the snake. And now, essentially, he's going to be that snake. And you be have to snake. think about yeah. him. and And that's going to allow his client to get it done in the ring. Just really good stuff and so yeah. cool. And and Cody sold it so well. His his facial reactions the entire time were really great, and I was just mesmerized. I mean, he, his promo was absolutely fantastic.
0: I I love the 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 constant going back to Hell Caesar. You know, mm-hmm. like oh Hell Caesar. You know, like Cody's such a big deal. Everyone loves him, and then he had some really good lines too. You know, uh, my favorite was. There's two. I'm not an AW to take the whole pie. Just your share. Yeah. Made it sound super personal personal for like absolutely no. We have no reason. There's no reason why Jake's out there. And wow, we he just spit mad hate at Cody. And then he did at the end. It was just perfect. A wise man once told me, never turn your back on someone you respect or you're afraid of. And then he turned and walked out of the ring. I was like, damn, Jake with the mic drop. It was so damn good. And my initial thought wasn't uh, Lance Archer because I thought Lance Archer was going to debut tonight. I'm like, well, that'd be weird for Jake to come out and then Lance to come out later and then Jake to come back out. I was thinking Brody Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we're oh, talking about another. That would be really. Scary. Yeah. I didn't even think of yeah that. Big. Yeah. Big powerhouse guy. A guy we know from the other wrestling show who can work this style. But always kind of, you know, was never quite there on the mic, never quite there in his promos. And, you know, in the other wrestling company, he would always kind of go away from Bray Wyatt and just always come back to him. So I think if you compare Brody Lee with a guy like Jake the Snake, who can really get him over and really help him. And then also just behind the scenes, like, hey, let's work on promos. Let's work on your character. I think that'd be a perfect combination. And and Lance Archer is a great combination, too. So. If if Jake ends up managing either of those guys, I think we're in we're going to have some fun. So, and,
1: you know, on the other hand, you know, let's bring a third hand into this situation. If it's someone else who we don't know about, who we're not coming up with in a way that's even more exciting. So any way this goes, I'm going to be happy. Uh, yeah. It's it's really, really exciting and so unexpected.
0: I mean, yeah, I n- never expected to talk about Jake the Snake on an AEW podcast in 2020. So, hey, good for them. You know, we get surprises and that was a, a really good surprise. So uh, 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 much love for Jake the Snake. I'm all for this. And hopefully we'll get to see him on our TVs way more often.
1: Well, I also hope that he's getting a big bag out of this because, you know, he you know, it. he had to give up his Legends deal with WWE in order to... Do this, this. and that the likelihood of them bringing him back into the fold at at this point, with the animosity between the two companies and the way that the other wrestling company has gone out of their way to restrict their talent from going on Jericho's podcast and Mm -hmm. just other petty things. Like, I I hope that this is a longer term thing, a recurring thing, and something that he's being well compensated for because. Daggone.
0: yo, he's going to send that Tony Khan money, dude. He'll be fine. <laughs> he's good. The cons are worth so much money. So, uh, man, is that everything from Stock Up, Stock Down? You ready to go into some lightning round? Yeah, let's go lightning round. Uh, for- and we're going to actually try and do lightning round. This yeah, time. we're going to try to keep it short. do lightning round
1: in more than just name. So uh, yeah. the first thing I want to talk about was uh, MJF cut yet another spectacular promo. I I okay. really loved how he went right into his signature line at the what we thought was gonna be the end of the promo, and he was like, Man, Wardlow, is it hot in here? And he takes <laughs> off his jacket and he's got the I pin Cody shirt and and then he, he riffs on Cody's neck tattoo and yep. oh my gosh. It just is fantastic work and um I love the no need to adjust the sound you heard what I said perfectly clear like yeah. just masterwork.
0: He had so many t-shirt ideas in this promo. Uh, I love the how he opened it I went from protege to prodigy. Oh, so good and I got a whole lot of ink for my legacy talking about how he was going to be a chapter in Cody's story. Ooh. Um <laughs> And then he made it work. it was stupid, but I don't care if it's ten buck two from South Peru. I'm like he 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 has it he has he has it. he's gonna make me laugh, he's gonna make me smile, and he says he he's just the best promo right now. It's hard to match what he can bring on the mic weekend and week out and here's the thing he's a really damn worker too, as we've seen over the last few weeks with Cody and then that match he had with jungle boys so yeah, big, big thumbs up for for MJF in general. Um, next, next thing I wanted to talk about on Lightning Round is, is Big Swole. We we don't usually get squash matches. And you know it was doomed when Leva Bates didn't even get her intro. <laughs> um, you know, it's always a, a death knell when you're sitting waiting in the ring. But I think she is just, a Big Swole is just an amazing talent. I like that they had Br- Baker on commentary again. And if we can get Britt Baker, Big Swole here in the next few weeks, that is going to be a major, major positive for the women's division in general. I wanted to talk about at one point tonight like what we want to see between now and Double or Nothing. And what I want to see now between Double or Nothing is the women's division able to maintain more than one story at a time. And I think Big Swole's development with Britt Baker's hero work could be an awesome secondary story as we go through along with whatever Niall is going to do with the women's championship.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I thought Swole looked good in this match. And most of all, and, and it's critically important, this is the best that her finisher has looked. I wasn't sold mm-hmm. on Dirty Dancing the first several times I saw it, but Leva Bates did a great job of really spinning amazing. out and selling it. And Swole just, she did it fast. It needs to yeah. be done quickly. And that brutal forearm strike looked good, and I believed that it was a move that should end the match when it happened. So I think that's really important. Uh, the next, yeah,
0: and and really, oh, I was just gonna say, really good showing for such a short match too. Sometimes squash matches aren't very entertaining, but I feel like there's a lot out of this from Big Soul's performance, and then the work Britt did on commentary in that short period of time. Them. Uh, As you would. Yeah. The
1: next thing, sorry, I'm trying to keep it to a real lightning round here.
0: Uh, the next <laughs> thing I had
1: was uh, the opening promo. In particular, um, I, I've not always been the most vocal advocate for, for Chris Jericho, but I thought he did incredible work tonight in this opening promo. Coming out and saying, mm-hmm. I don't need a title to be Le Champion, and <laughs> all nope. of you are liars. I thought it was yeah. really good stuff, and it was a great angle. And the tease of his 60-day leave of absence, I thought was a great way to build some drama for the main event. A main event that otherwise felt a little bit slapdash and thrown together. And it made it work and made it make sense. Uh and then from that same segment, I didn't really like Mox going like full baby face. The title belongs to all yeah. of you. But I thought he rescued yeah. it at the end when he looked straight into the camera. Filled up the screen and just to the inner circle. I dare you. Yeah. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, It was really good. And what I really liked about that promo from Jericho too, because we've, we've, we've criticized him a bit over the last few weeks for how corny some of this stuff is. Uh, he, he was super serious tonight. Not a lot of, you know, goofy jokes, but what I really liked is when he said, AW, the whole roster, you're on notice. And I felt when you when you take the title off of Jericho like they did, how do we keep the inner circle relevant? Well, shit, beating the hell out of Darby um, and then putting Moxley through the table off the stage, I think it was just a really good way to remind people, oh, yeah, the inner circle is still a major force because sometimes when someone take, loses the title, they kind of fade away. So I thought they did a really good job with that, one, with that promo and two, with the actions at the end of the show. Of making sure the inner circle is still um, relevant. So props to them. And yeah, really enjoyed what Jericho brought to the show tonight. Uh, another thing from lightning round that I wanted to talk about this death triangle is going to be awesome. <laughs> like, like I thought it was interesting that Lucha brothers came out on uh, at revolution um, during the, the pack orange Cassidy match and now they came out again tonight. and. It's a faction that I never knew I wanted, but now I can't wait and I need it in my life because the three of those workers, man, get us a six man tag title. Cause there's your inaugural champions. Lucha brothers with pack. Who's going to beat that? So just really, in, really excited about their, their formation of this group. Uh, and I, I, and at first I was like death triangle. That sounds weird. And then it grew on me some more. And then, then they said it in Spanish and it sounds even more scary than death triangle so just really interesting group excited to see what they're doing and yeah I'm 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 in they got me
1: well you just took three guys who didn't necessarily have a lot going on and put them together and they're just such tremendous workers that even if the name is you know it's okay, like it'll grow on you and in a couple of weeks you won't even notice even if you don't like it right away but they're going to win you over in the ring because they're going to go out and have tremendous matches. I do think it's a little bit odd when the Lucha Bros have other people that they've teamed with before that you're now pairing them with somebody else as opposed to bringing in somebody like Laredo Kid um or the third lucha brother uh because there is a third one in case you didn't know uh yep and you know building the team that way but you know if if they want someone to kind of be the leader within that group it makes a lot yeah, of sense that's right. for to have kind of contracted uh phoenix and pentagon to be his hired muscle and, you know, come in and run roughshod.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how well the Lucha bros speak English. So maybe this was a chance to pair him with someone who can do the brunt of the mic work, which we both talked about how PAC has definitely much improved on the mic from his days in the other wrestling show. Um, so I, I think it, it makes sense in that regard. Um, and yeah, just really excited. Um anything else in lightning round you wanted to talk about? I got one more thing, but I'll let you jump in here. Before I, I don't want to talk too much, you know, as much as my voice is silky chocolate, <laughs> you know, I want to let, well, I want, I want to let people hear you, you know?
1: Um, so the other thing, and it, you, we were just talking about death triangle, but I did want to talk about the match between Chuck Taylor and pack, which I think was probably, you know, other than the main event, the highest work rate match on the card. And, Chuck Taylor showed that you know he still got it. He's a guy who's been around and is kind of in in the the later portion of of his career, but he still moves really well in the ring. And he and Pac put on a really good and fun match that you know just had some great spots. And you know Chuck Taylor is another guy. You know we I feel like we talk about this every week, but he's someone who just moves just a little bit differently. You know he'll he'll do his, his funny steps that he did at the beginning of the match, and he'll go all stiff-legged and kind of strut around a little bit. And it's just interesting to watch, and he presents a different persona through his movements in the ring.
0: Well, it was definitely weird seeing Pac versus him, considering the the people Pac was in the ring with the last two weeks, because obviously Chucky e. T is not moving as fast as Orange Cassidy or Kenny Omega, but the styles worked and they clicked. And you mentioned how you thought Hangman Page was like a a JBL. I kind of, maybe it was just the armbands on Chucky's arms this week, but I got some major JBL vibes from him this week, just the way that he was moving and the look and kind of like, when he kind of flexed and smiled towards the camera, he kind of had a JBL-esque shit eating grin, so... Uh yeah I I I don't can't recall the last time I I seen Chucky e. T in a singles match but I think it's been a really good job over the last few weeks of making all three giving all three of those guys and the best friends a chance to shine. Obviously we had Orange Cassidy get the pay per view spot against Pac, but then we got we've been talking about Trent for the last month of how he's been involved in big singles matches or big tag matches in the Battle Royal for the tag number one contendership. He's one of the last guys in the match with. Um, you know, one, I can't remember Matt Jackson, I think. So just, you know, they've all been placed in spots to look really great. And yeah, I've never, I I had to Google what, uh, Chuck E.T.'s finisher was because I I was like, did they just say awful waffle? Yes, they did. (laughs) And I had to like double check before I wrote it down because I didn't want to tweet anything about the awful waffle if it wasn't actually the move. So, uh, which first time I've seen that and holy crap. It looks awesome, and I thought he killed Pac. Well, I so. love the way
1: he got yeah. into it too. That, that
0: yeah, like corner and yeah.
1: and just really really smooth transition there.
0: Yeah, so I got I got one more thing to talk about tonight, and then we can we can wrap up the show. Uh, I want to talk about the the post match stuff from the QT Marshall uh, Jake Hager match. And first off, if you go on the Twitter, I started listing things I would rather do than watch Jake Hager work. Uh, you know, working on my improv skills and trying to push as much content out as fast as I could. It ended with, I'd rather go to the OBGYN with my grandmother. So that should tell you how much I don't like Jake Hager.
1: You know, but I really didn't, think it was that bad of a match. I, I like, it was, I like watching I just, QT Marshall. What can I say?
0: I just don't like Jake Hager and I'll switch my hate from Marco stunt to Jake Hager. Right, I and, and, I won't be saying I can take Jake Hager in a fight like I did with Marco Stunt because I couldn't. Um, But the post-match stuff, the post-match business was really fun. Uh, It was interesting that Cody came out and I know, you know, Nightmare Family and Brandy was out there and Dustin was out there. And I wonder if Cody's potentially going to be involved in this, maybe this blood and guts match down the line. But then when Matt Jackson came out and then Paige came out and took his sweet ass time, getting to the ring, wearing his outrageous shirts as usual, coming to the ring, taking a sip, saying, hold on a second. It was like in Constantine where Constantine puts down his cigarette that's lit and is like, I'll be right back. I got to take care of a demon. Just put his beard down and just looked like a million bucks. And he's so over with the crowd. And then the final flip off Matt Jackson, just to continue whatever the hell's going on with Cody, sorry, with Kenny Hangman and the Bucks. Uh, I just thought was really, really good. And I just, man, I love me some hangman page right now. He's everything he's doing is money. Yeah,
1: You and I had a conversation before we started recording this podcast uh, back in December. And we were talking about, you know, who would have the bigger ceiling if they went to the other wrestling company. And. You were arguing that of all the people who had signed to AEW, that Kenny Omega would be the biggest star if he were to go to WWE, and I made the case at the time that it was Adam Page. I still think it's Adam Page.
0: And WWE? Yeah. He's, he's
1: absolutely uh... a WWE guy, and if they were to let him do the character that he's doing right now, that would get over so huge. And I
0: don't think they would give him that though. I think they would, I think we don't
1: need to relitigate that argument right now. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you're making it
0: say like, Mike, you're wrong. No, no 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 no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying that <laughs>
1: How over he is and the pop that he's getting every time he does anything is, is really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of hyperbole in, in my claims, but, I think that how over he is has has lent some credence to my argument. Uh, my two favorite things that he did in this spot when he came out were stumbling and almost falling off the apron when he got <laughs> topped over before hitting the buckshot yeah. lariat. And I loved him collecting all the different alcohol containers after the spot was over before going backstage. And he's got all these cups and bottles and he's cradling them in his arms and he's got one in his teeth and it was just a hilarious visual of him taking beer from all these fans and carrying it backstage with him i uh i just hope that he doesn't you know get coronavirus
0: yeah he made a uh he made a really funny tweet after the show um i'm just trying to find it he was like, can you believe these people just give me about a hundred dollars worth of beer every week? <laughs> like, <laughs> from all the beer he gets from the crowd, well, so, they're getting those front row uh, seats,
1: they can afford it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I read, I noticed his title card this week, it said he wore both their yeah, asses. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, I think on that note, I think we're uh, we're good to wrap up. So, let's look ahead to next. Week. House- oh, yeah, good point. I forgot about that. Good catch, sir. Uh, not much has been announced next week, but we're going to get a singles match between Ortiz and Cody, which based off of what we've seen from Ortiz in a singles match should be really fun. We're also going to see the death triangle in ring debut. No word yet on who they will be facing, but obviously we should see some pretty interesting spots with the three of those men. And then the only other thing announced for next week is the blood and guts rules announcement. So we're going to get an overview of how this match is going to work. Maybe we'll find out who's going to be in it because that match is only three weeks away, the 25th, I think, uh, in Newark. So they got to start building towards that. So I'm curious to see who's going to be in that match, what they're going to do with it and how it may differ from the other wrestling company equivalent war games. And as we saw with their steel cage, it's slightly modified. So curious to see how that cage looks over the two rings. So, Any comments on what we have in store next week for Dynamite?
1: Uh, I mean, that's exciting stuff. I'm really interested to see what they do with this Blood and Guts match. And, you know, Cody went on... This was actually going to be my random observation of the week. Um, Cody went on kind of a rampage of grabbing up trademarks that had been lapsed uh, from, from WWE and one of the things that they have, they don't have war games, but they do have the rights to the match beyond. And the match beyond is when the match actually starts in a traditional war games match, because the match doesn't officially start until all the competitors are in the ring. And that's referred to as the match beyond. So it is kind of interesting that they have that. And I'm curious to see if that comes out. Um, I heard an interview with Cody where he was talking about how he wasn't so much grabbing those things so that they could use them in AEW, but just because they were things that were associated with Dusty and he wanted to own the rights to them for personal reasons. So I'll be curious to see what they use and what they don't use. Uh, But I'm definitely excited for this. Uh, And, you know, we saw Death Triangle come out and do their thing and announce that they're a team now. So getting to see how they function and what the dynamics are going to be like. You always want to know like who's going to be the regular recipient of the hot tag. And I think Phoenix makes the most sense for that. Um, and I'm curious to see what they look like in ring.
0: Do you know how the, the Blood and Guts name came to be? I do not. Have you heard the story behind no, this? So There was a, a WWE conference call or interview last year with Vince where they asked him about how, you know, what's your stance on a W what's your views of them on competition. And he basically said something like, well, I hope they don't go down the route of just blood and guts all the time. (laughs) And I think Cody, I think Cody copyrighted that like within a week. So yep. It's a, it's a slight, it's a slight dig at Vince. Um, I kind of love it. I kind of love, uh, some of the stuff that they've done. Some, some more obvious, some more subtle, but uh, yeah, that's where it came from. So there you go. Uh, yeah, if if that's uh, everything, I can we we can do a little house cleaning and we can get the hell to sleep. Let's do it. All right. So you've heard this before, but you can follow us on Twitter at the o, at ows underscore pod, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show. You can also email us at Gmail. I did this last week too. You can email us Man. at the Other. <laughs> the uh, I did leave it in because I didn't want to edit as much last week. I was like, we did three episodes in four days. I had to cut that shit out. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. We are on Spotify and iTunes, and you can find us on most podcasting apps because I use the iTunes library. Uh, we'll be getting on Stitcher and Google play here in the next few weeks as well. And yeah, reach out to us, talk to us. Uh, I saw a few of you guys when I was live tweeting tonight. So love to hear from you and uh yeah if you like the show tell your friends
1: that's definitely the best thing you do to you help us out is to spread the word of the podcast if you like the show support the show give us a rating and a review that will help us to uh maybe pop into new and noteworthy on itunes that would be absolutely crazy pants and exciting um and remember life's a work duck the clothesline
0: and happy wrestling